Hello and welcome to Forty Cray, a podcast led by a pair of almost forty, you know, kind of like late thirties guys whose adult lives responsibilities have not yet, hopefully never, will have eclipsed their zeal for stupid nerdy stuff. From forty K to video games to nineties pop culture, if it's your fandom, we're your tandem. Of course, this is Ben, aka LST Men on Reddit and various other places where gamer tags are needed. And of course, I'm joined by Tom. Hey, how's it going? It's going, man. How are you doing? Doing well. This happy is our first podcast of the new year. Yeah, happy new year. Did you ring it in in its style? Uh, no, I had work the next day, so I slept very early. <laughs> we had uh, hors d'oeuvres, though. We made uh, pigs in a blanket and various other fried things. I, I remember when... We were actually able to hang out before COVID and before you moved away. You guys had, like, the most epic hors d'oeuvre game. Yeah, Amanda likes to go big. Go big or go home, right? Yeah. She loves hosting. She's really good at it, too. I remember, like, I came over. It was just, like, a little – it wasn't even, like, Halloween yet. It was just October. And you guys carved out a pumpkin, (laughs) filled it with nacho cheese, and then you cut the pumpkin so that it had, like, an open mouth so the cheese was coming out of the mouth. (laughs) I was like, I think I ate all of that cheese, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, She's definitely a, a Pinterest uh, fan. All those uh, crafts and whatnot. Well, maybe that's a good segue. Speaking about crafts, of course, you know, we always cover a lot of stuff on the show. And uh, today we got a, a three things that we're going to do. First, I'm going to talk a little bit about some Kill Team meta observations. I think we've talked in the past that Tom and I love Kill Team. That's kind of where we started getting into 40K, because it was approachable. Uh, and then from there, uh, after my little Kill Team battle report slash observations, Tom, you're going to talk a bit about some experience we've had with Roll20. Mm-hmm. And, and from there, we have a fun top five best video games that Ben and Tom, this is purely subjective, just what we think of all time and how they could fit in a 40K. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is what's stop. going to happen that is what's going to happen okay cool well Tom uh, when was the last time you actually played a game of Kill Team uh, it was against you okay so that was like months ago yeah it's, it's been a while still haven't gotten know. to my local store well it's, it's hard with COVID actually all of our local stores are closed I'm in DC area and you're in kind of like the greater New York area and uh, so I, I basically I play with my brother who's kind of in my pod, and then there's one guy in my building, um, Phil, who uh, we play with too. Just you know, we've we've been around each other for the whole quarantine, so it's like okay, well we're probably in the same bubble, but it's been hard. Like yeah, I can't get to a store. There's no tournaments going on for sure. Phil, if you're listening, come on the show. No, well, actually, he and <laughs> he and my brother, I think we might have him on for like a a full kill team meta analysis. So they all play completely different factions. Ah. Yeah, yeah. ah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. I'm not giving you a lot to work with yet. But hey, do you remember when you and I were playing, was there like a gatekeeper faction? Gatekeeper? Like, like the one where like nobody could beat them and it was like you had to like engineer your list to be able to beat them? Um, in our local meta, right, there were the guys that played at the GW... Right. The camp, the campaign, the sisters of battle seem to do better than they should, right? Yeah, well, that's also because they had all of the special. They had like Gottfried and uh, uh, Vorn, and that was mm-hmm. before they nerfed both of them because they could take voice of command, which was pretty powerful. Right. right. Um, but yeah, because I, I think also, so I mean, you were you played Custodius for a little while. And I remember I couldn't. Before we figured out you don't have to kill guys to win, you know, it was like our early days. I had a hard time trying to think, like, I mean, there was a period where, like, Death Guard were, like, the go-to, and now they're pretty much easy to kill. Mm. Um, But that's, you know, okay, why am I bringing this up? Because the whole point is, like, one of the things about Kill Team, the meta has shifted a lot, and not even necessarily because of rules changes, just because of uh, how people approach different factions. So, like... You know, it was Death Guard in the beginning because they got a lot of cheap fodder, but they also had pretty tough guys. And then when people figured out multi-damage weapons were extremely important, that went away. And for a little while, it was like plasma spam. 
uh, in between with like, you know, Militarum and Mechanicus. And then before that, like Tyranid uh, swarms were pretty tough. Do you, do you have like a foe that you hated to play the most? Playing against Thousand Suns was annoying with the, the, the two sorcerers. It, you just had to focus more on positioning and line of sight when I just wanted to charge up the field and, and hit things with sticks. Yeah, the line of sight. Well, I, it's with Grey Knights, that's huge too. It's just that there's so few of them and right. they have to get so close. It's kind of... Um, so let's see. So then like, now the the meta, like at least to so the games we play, um, the, the one gentleman, Phil, who again will be on the show, he plays uh, Drukari, which has been pretty top of meta lately. Uh, the, I think the when he particularly plays is like a rack focus, um, which, uh, you know, W-A-R-C-K, of course, <laughs> not like a, a spice rack, of course. I'm sure that's what you were thinking of. Well, of course. Yeah. But, but they have a faction that gives them a four-up invuln. And then they still have a six-up feel no pain, and they're pretty cheap, so they're they're pretty good. Um, I think Asuriani or or Eldar for those of us who like played in the '90s are, are pretty good, but you have to be really talented to play them. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, like uh, Tau, played by Phil, was the big gatekeeper for a while. Did you ever mm-hmm. play against Tau? Uh, yeah, but the player didn't really know how to use them all that well. Uh, he let me get into close combat, and then it was pretty much over after that. This, this Tau don't like close combat, do they? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's a meme, but it's also, <laughs> it's also kind of true. Yeah. I don't. By the way, I don't know why I hate the Tau. <laughs> just, just like an idea. Maybe it's because they're like one of the, the newest factions. I don't think they fit the whole Grimdark thing as well. They look like Gundams. I don't know. I just don't like them. <laughs> But so anyway, so so Tau, there's a couple reasons they're pretty strong. I don't I don't think they're OP at all. It's just if you're not like prepared and you don't know the faction tactics and that kind of thing, it's tough. Um, they have a couple really good strong points, which is drone spam. The drones fly. They got a lot of shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the counter? Well, you realize the drones can't hit very well. So if you can even get obscured, it's they're not going to hit you most of the time. Um, the other thing they have is very powerful rail rifles, which are pretty cheap and do you know ton of damage, AP4. Um, they also have a type of drone that can like remove obscurement penalties. So the first time I played against them, I thought my little sorcerer guy for my Thousand Sons was obscured, and somehow he ended up with a two plus to hit twice, and of course killed him in round one. Um, but yeah, so so we've been playing against Tau for a while. They're they're pretty tough to counter. There are two things I wanted to share to to the audience here that we found that are pretty good counters. Um, one I finally beat him with Tyranids is what I call like the the gaunt conveyor belt. You remember I did this with your uh, custodies? Ah uh, yes, the fallback and recharge with the second one. Until exactly. The... Yeah, yeah. So you, at most you can kill like one gaunt per turn if you're a custodies. Yeah. <laughs> We tied that game, I think. I think it was a stalemate, right? Yeah, we just gave up. Because <laughs> it wasn't even fun. It was like, <laughs> I couldn't do anything to you. All our secondaries were kill-related. And, you you know, like, I'd get a gaunt, he'd get a flesh wound, and then I'd fall him back and charge you with a different one. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, I did, so I, I managed to do some creative, like, you know, charge from cover stuff and, and ro-doped him a little bit that way and, and just had some superior coverage. The, the things to watch out for, if you charge into Tau, obviously they have for the greater good, so they can all overwatch at the same time. Mm-hmm. If you combine that with, there's a tactic, which is two points, but it, for the entire turn, it allows one of the models to get, uh, overwatch on a four, five, or six, which in many cases is actually better than their shooting. <laughs> Um, he would have these model. I think he had like a, a crisis suit, which which isn't really the meta anyway. But it had like you know three flamers or, or no, it wasn't flamers. I'm sorry, because that'd be stupid. It was like the <laughs> the missile cluster. So he was hitting on a four, five, or six. But if you you know if you charge from cover, he can't see you. That mitigates greater good. Um, the other thing I thought was really interesting, my brother who plays orcs and is like really good at orcs now. And they're another one that are you have to be really specific about your movement to get them in the right charge range Mm -hmm. but he uses a knob to completely obscure like an ammo runt (laughs) so because they can't see the ammo runt past the knob the ammo runt charges everybody and gets them stuck in combat and then the knob can (laughs) safely charge back freaking genius (laughs) 
so so if you're out there you're playing orcs get your ammo around make sure he's tiny like the model is supposed to be put him behind a knob and then use him to to charge into people who won't be able to overwatch him hmm. brilliant okay i think that's probably enough talking about so, look man what do you do you have any thoughts about what do you think is the the best faction right now in kill team um i don't know i've, I've been been out of the game for yeah. so long that I've just been focusing on painting that more hobbying. Well, but by the it's, time you get back in, it'll be something else anyway. That's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's, that's my piece. Uh, some, some thoughts about playing Tau. I think they're a lot of fun um, for me. Like it's not important to win. It's important to have a close game. Cause that means like, you know, you weren't, you weren't completely surprised by anything. So it was pretty close, uh, but we will get Phil to talk about maining with Tau and Drakari, uh, my brother to talk about maining with orcs, and then Tom, I know you're a, you're a noise marine guy, you're an emperor's children guy, I think I'm a thousand sun guy for the most part, um, although I play like six others as do you. All right, Tom, <laughs> you did a lot with Roll20, I'd love to turn it over to you a little bit because we got this new D&D campaign, and I was shocked how cool this was. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, a while ago, you know, we we ran a campaign. We only got to like maybe level seven, like back in the day when you could actually hang out in person. And uh, you know, I was just like drawing the maps on a giant whiteboard uh, with the dry erase markers, and you know, when you entered a new section of the dungeon, you know, draw it out, and you know, it was cool. Uh, but I think this uh, roll twenty, I, I just started using this. Um, couple of weeks ago for the new campaign we started and uh it's it's just so much so much better uh, pretty much the same type of deal you know you you it reminds me a lot of rpg maker the old video games that let you create a game and you you know you lay down is that was that back in the playstation era yeah they started uh, i think the original one was and they had like a million um, you know, you lay down your map, and it kind of has a grid uh, overlaid over it, and you know, uh, you can put down furniture and you know, populate your dungeon with whatever you want. Uh, it took maybe six hours to get hang of the, the interface, you know, how to how to use it uh, efficiently, but uh, you could do a lot of cool things. Uh, the line of sight. Um, really uh, surprised me how cool that was uh, so uh, how each player has the token that they control around the map uh, and you can you know uh, and then the, with the rules to like vision how you know some races get dark vision to 60 feet and that kind of you can set that radius that vision radius uh, around the token that the player is controlling so when they move through your dungeon, they can see everything that's within 60 feet, and everything else that they haven't explored yet is grayed out, like a fog of war. Uh, and you can, uh, there's a tool that lets you create walls and, and obstacles that block line of sight, and they can't see past them. So you could have monsters hiding around corners and stuff. And it, it's just a really cool tool. Yeah, I was I was really impressed. It's all like an isometric plane, but. I don't. I really wasn't sure how much effort on the back end it was. So I think what we saw, you'd created like an inn and a city and like a battle uh, mm-hmm. spot was only, or, you know, like what do you call it? Like one engagement, one fight worth yeah. of like terrain. Right. Um, so I wasn't sure like how much effort is it to create just like one of those screens? Like, so for example, we had like our party of four against like six were rats. Like how hard was it to create like that battle uh, scenario? Um, well, once you figure out how to how to do it, it's it's pretty simple. Um, creating the map just takes the longest. You know, you have to put each uh, piece like the the build. It was an outdoor uh, encounter, so there was uh, the buildings and uh, barrels and uh, stalls and everything like the open air stuff. Each one of those had to be placed uh, separately and, and uh, positioned. But once they're set up, then you know you, you've got you can create the monsters in the encounter, uh, and you can link those monster tokens to their entry in the compendium. Like it has the whole 
monster manual, pretty much. Oh, seriously? So you can yeah. like link it to you, so you can say, hey, this is a were rat, and it'll give you all the stats for it. Yeah. That's cool. And, uh, um, I want to work on getting more in depth with that. I think because you all have your character sheets on D and D Beyond, um, so I think. Uh, I know two of the players are are uh, novices to you know the first time playing, so it might be a little in depth. But there's um, an add-on for Chrome and Firefox. That's why I asked you guys. Uh, well, Beyond Twenty that kind of links Roll Twenty with D and D Beyond, um, so I can link your character sheet to your character uh, in game. <clears throat> And then when you bring up your character sheet in D and D Beyond, you can click on whatever skill it is you need to make a roll for, and it will actually roll that dice in roll twenty. I don't I don't want to sound like a curmudgeonly curmudgeonly douchebag, but <laughs> I almost feel like kids today are spoiled. Because yeah. <laughs> do you remember how miserable it was to try to create characters with like pen and paper? And like, look, I'm a math nerd anyway. Like, I like you know. That's part mm-hmm. of the reason I like Warhammer because it's a lot of statistics anyway. I think, mm-hmm. but man, it took hours. And if you use D and D Beyond, it's it's a better interface and it takes like five minutes. Mm-hmm. So I love it, but at the same token, I'm like, you guys don't know what you're what you're missing. <laughs> you don't know the pain. <clears throat> yeah, I lo- I loved the pen and paper uh, aspect of it back in the day. It felt like a spreadsheet to me. It did. It was it was so complicated. So other questions. I remember I tried. I was leading a campaign uh, with some of Gab's friends earlier in the year, like kind of the onset of quarantine, and I tried roll twenty, and I had a lot of trouble. I think I spent probably like eight hours for a like you know probably like three hour little it was like mini campaign. Right. You know, like it was a one shot, and uh, it was just it was a little frustrating. Like obviously it took you a little bit to get used to it. Any tips for anybody who's like starting roll 20 for the first time um youtube <laughs> so, so stop listening to this and go on youtube awesome yeah, now there's there are so many like small like so many things need to be correct like this needs to be ticked this box needs to be ticked uh you know there uh, everything kind of needs to be right and if one of those things is off then the whole like you have a blank, a black map, and you don't know what you're doing. And that's why it, we ran. Is that like intuitive, or I guess you need YouTube because some of it might not be 100% intuitive. Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of screens that you have to navigate through uh, each time you're uh, placing a new thing in a in a new zone. Uh, that's why we kind of ran through that the test before we started. Like, can everybody see each other? Can everybody see where they are? Yeah. <laughs> that's true too, because it took us like. Uh, 20 30 minutes to get going because it was like one person couldn't hear somebody else and then we could see one person because it's got like a zoom type of functionality too where you can see all the people and use it as your your uh telephony platform um but yeah that was frustrating <laughs> i could tell you were like god damn i spent six hours on this why isn't it working all right you know what i'm gonna go back to the whiteboard and uh <laughs> do my best to describe it to you guys that's awesome well i'm looking forward to whatever we do next um i i have high expectations tom yeah it should be fun it better be <laughs> and or... it helps that, it helps that you guys are all like hilarious yeah you know that is so here's another thing right like you and i've talked about this before i think like one of the most important and underrated parts about like getting the good D group together is what do you want to do, mm-hmm. right? So in the past, like, we've had folks that are really into the max min, like, oh, I'm going to make a character that can do the the most incredible damage, and I'm going to plot them out, which which we kind of enjoy. But I think all the people in the group, myself and, and you know, Gabrielle, who we met on the last episode, is playing too. We really like the role-playing part. And I don't mind if everybody wants to min-max, or if everyone wants to dick around and have a good time. But when you have a party that some of them want to min-max, some of them, it, it gets really difficult to uh, to please everybody. Absolutely. Um, so it's just easier if, if everyone's going in with the same kind of mindset. And and one of the other guys on the, the team or the, the 
party, I'm using all the wrong terminology. People are going to know I'm lying. Uh, is uh, my friend Bryant, who runs a uh, podcast uh, for Arizona Sports. We might have him on in, in the future. But actually, so he and I did improv together for years, and he is freaking hilarious. So it's it's always great when you have somebody who comes up with a really strong character and is just like you're just dying the whole time. It's so fun. Yeah. He's he's like a really he's a half elf who is a racist against gnomes because of some reason we don't know yet. So they, we have a character who's a gnome. So he's just like like just going after the guy the whole time. It's so funny. I hope that comes out. Granted, we're not endorsing anti-gnomism. Um, but but you know if if it's all in good fun, um, yeah. yeah, you know they have little legs. Well, they, you know, they are like, what, like two and a half feet tall or something, so. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Who's your favorite gnome of all time? Hmm. David? I, I was going to say David. <laughs> David the gnome. <laughs> In every wish and dream and happy home, <laughs> you will find the kingdom of the gnome. And what do, I love about... What I love about Matt's gnome is that he's a deep gnome. So that this Furfnebelin. Um, so they're like the drow and the dorger and the de- the Furfnebelins live in the underdark and, and the, the drow and the dorger are like evil. Uh, <laughs> but the deep gnomes, they're just as like happy and, you know, com- comic as the, as a, their above world gnomes. But they're just so beaten down by their environment that they're just like, uh, whatever. Like I'm trying, but it's, it's really hard. <laughs> I, which which makes no sense because like the Underdark is legit like one of the worst places in fiction. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's nothing compared to like Grimdark, but it's still pretty terrible. You got like the the Mind Flayers and the Growl and Drow or sadistic evil people. Like what? What are they doing? You know what it is? It's probably some kind of like psychedelic mushroom that grows in the darkness. The myconids. Exactly. So they're probably like grinding those in a little sniff and uh, keeping it jolly. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, All right. Should we should we get into our main feature here? Yeah. The main event. The feature presentation. Tom, you and I, we're nerds of many kinds. <clears throat> we love video games. Absolutely. I was just playing one right before this. It's it's like one of the only ways I know how to unwind. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the healthier ones, too. So mm-hmm. we played a lot of games together. And we thought, how do we integrate our love for video games with our love for 40K? Especially given that the podcast is called 40K. Mm-hmm. So, so here's what we're doing. There have been a lot of okay Warhammer games, a couple good ones, but a lot of crap. So we're going to go through our five favorite games of all time that are not necessarily Warhammer games, although they can be, or or Games Workshop branded games. And we're going to talk about how would we port that to be something cool in the 40K universe. Tom, I've been talking too much this podcast. Let me invite you to begin this wondrous journey. What's what's your number five game of all time? Um, I imagine that we're going to have some overlap. Because uh, I, you know, I got some randos, so I don't know. But uh, I guess the elephant in the room. Let's get it out of the way first. Uh, Final Fantasy VII. Okay. Um, when I was thinking about this topic, uh, and started like really comparing them, uh, it kind of struck me how similar <laughs> the 40k universe is. Uh. With you know Hojo, minor spoilers. If anyone hasn't Wait, played it, spoilers for Final Fantasy the original or the remake? I think the original, right? The original, yeah. yeah. So if you if you're playing the remake, maybe don't listen to, but but just fast forward a little bit. Okay, go. Uh, so Hojo, you know, creating super soldiers by using genetic information from Genova. Uh, he's basically Amara Stardi, right? Yeah. Um, the Genova Project, you know, created super soldiers, and, and uh, they can easily see that being ported. Uh, crazy, wacky adventures. Uh, Sephiroth, 
uh, you know, kind of like Horace. You know, yeah. feels feels like he's entitled to uh, the promised land, which would be you know the unified yeah, Imperium. Be, right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, that that struck me. So so Final Fantasy VII is not on my list, but I it's it's definitely in my top ten or twenty. Uh, and it used to be in my top five. I actually tried replaying the original with, with Gabrielle. We didn't get too far because it hasn't aged that well. Um, but at the time when it came out, man, like I remember where I was when I bought it. I remember where I was when I played it. I used to get up before school like two hours because I hated school. When when that came out, it was like a couple bad years. So I would say, okay, I'm going to get up. I'm going to play Final Fantasy VII for a couple hours. I'll feel better. And then I can go to school and deal with school and then come home and I get to play again. That was how I got through like sixth and seventh grade. What for you, like what made it such an important or, or memorable game? Uh, well, at the time I didn't even have a PlayStation. So I, I rented a PlayStation and Final Fantasy seven from Blockbuster. Uh, but I didn't have a memory card. So every time I played it, uh, I had to, and I had to turn it off like for dinner. I have to restart. In the beginning, and I never made it past uh, that scene in Midgar when Cloud is talking to Tifa right before he leaves for uh, to join Soldier. <laughs> it was like the farthest I ever got until I actually bought a PlayStation and was able to play it for real. Um, and so, I mean, obviously, like there was some love there. Do you remember, like, was it the graphics? Was it the gameplay? Was it the story? Like, what compelled you? Uh, it was the story. I, for some reason. Sephiroth seemed like the coolest villain that you know I'd seen up to that point. Uh, you know, I, he just kind of locks himself in a room and, and reads all this uh, medical texts and uh, scientific studies that were done on him and just goes crazy. Plus, they hyped him up to be this huge badass soldier. I like. <laughs> well, I, I remember, like, you think Shinra is the bad guy. I mean, they are. But, like, when you start to leave Midgar, he just, like, freaking owns. By the way, you notice I'm not using curse words this episode. I'm trying to make it feel like freaking feels weird. He freaking own, uh, just owns all the Shinra people. And it was like, oh, man. And and the music is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Even still, to this day. You know, when you hear One Winged Angel. <laughs> so so you could have, like, an RPG that takes place in, like, a hive city with, like, a ragtag group of, uh, hopefully not terrorists, because then they'd be heretics, but maybe they're, like, I don't know, gangers or freedom fighters or something. Uh, I, would they do the materia system, do you think? Mm-hmm. Probably not. You could probably get, like like, you know, tech that does so, you know, like digital lasers or like a teleporter or something like that yeah various psycho abilities all right final fantasy 7 a good entry a strong one again one of my tops but didn't age as well as some of the other ones on this list so now i'm going to be completely hypocritical and go to my number five you ready so, so this is a tie between two N64 games. And just for a little reference before I get there, I the the way that I ranked these games is how much I want to still play them now. So there's mm-hmm. like a timeless quality. How much I played them back then. Uh, and just in general, how much happiness they brought to my life. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's a tie between two games that are basically the same game. Just one came out a year later with some updates. WCW NWO Revenge and WWF No Mercy, two N64 wrestling games that both use the THQ like wrestling grapple system. Mm-hmm. Um, I played dozens of hours of those, probably hundreds, with like my brother and my friends. And I grew up, you know, in in the South where like wrestling was kind of big, and I wasn't allowed to watch it, but I could play the video games. And, uh, man, I just love those so much. I don't know why. Listen, THQ, if you're out there, well, you don't exist anymore. I forgot. You got you get bought up slash closed. Yeah. And they ended up making Dawn of War, too. So there's there's a tie-in to, to Warhammer. But get, somebody, please go make a wrestling game in the vein of those. <laughs> so so what's the Warhammer tie-in? I don't really know. Because I could have <laughs> chosen other fighting games. You know, like, Tom, what's your favorite fighting game? Like, does there one yeah, that sticks out to you? Uh, I, I'm sure you have more to talk on this subject, but my next one was actually WrestleMania 2000 
N64. Are you, your number four was WrestleMania 2000? Yeah. All, All right. right, so you go, you go first, and then we can combine forces here. Uh, so I kind of saw that, well, because it had the same uh, grapple system yeah. and, and everything. That, that was the second one in the trio of those games. Um, I saw that as if it could somehow be turned into the gladiatorial fights on Nuceria. <laughs> I think that would be really cool. We, we, I thought about that. Is that where uh, Angron? No, that's not where Angron yeah. comes from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I was thinking that. And then, so that's one idea, like gladiatorial combat. But it tends to be more like, I'm going to kill you, as opposed to, like, I'm going to do a pile driver on you. Mm-hmm. But it could work. The other one I was thinking is maybe, like, a Gorka Morka thing. With, like, orc luchadors. <laughs> I would have the humor. Uh, yeah. Or, or here's, okay. Oh, oh, I've got it, Tom. I just came up with this. Are you ready? <laughs> Trays in the Infinite. Is it Trazen or Trazon? It's Trazen, right? Trazen with a Y, right? Yeah, okay. I never, I've never said that word out loud. I've read his name a bunch of times. So obviously he collects a bunch of stuff. He has this like, you know, stasis museum. What if it's his thing and he collects people from all the different races and he makes it so they can't kill each other, but they have to wrestle to amuse him? (laughs) I love it. Kind of like Smash Brothers. Exactly. Okay. Get on it. <laughs> Games Workshop, just take my money. Just make it, You can make it N64 graphics. I'll pay full price. I don't care. Just just please do this. Mm-hmm. Um, who is your favorite uh, person in, in WrestleMania 2000? Well, obviously the creative character. Yeah, of course. It's the creative character. Did you, did you have like a a consistent person you would always make or was it yourself or what? Yeah, so um, WrestleMania 2000 specifically, uh, my group of friends in high school, uh, one of them had a character named Dead Body Man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And and I just loved how ridiculous that was. So I ended up creating it in uh, every single game going forward from that point on. Um, oh, that's amazing. Why, why was he dead by me? Was he just like a naked guy or something? No, I mean, you know, he was wearing Triple H's pants and he had Jeff Hardy's face. You know, he's, he's just, he was dead body man. Um, <laughs> God, that game was so good. I remember, and it's funny because when I, I played Revenge, I didn't know how, uh, like, the special system worked or that you could have, mm-hmm. but in 2000, I think they started making it so you could do, like, your special move from, like, the corner. So you got some of the, like, the, the, what, what was the Swanton bomb? Was that Jeff yeah. Hardy's? Yeah, yeah. Um, God, that was so fun. I, I always made, well, sometimes I made myself. Sometimes I made, uh, my brother always had like a guy who would wear like a hockey mask who he called the demon. Because again, we loved, you know, it was like a Warhammer. We loved demons and stuff. So, but actually, I don't know. Do you know that the origin of my, my tag, LS Demon, is from Revenge? Oh, yeah. So, so the, you remember, the, did you ever play Revenge or just WrestleMania 2000? Yeah, all of those uh, N64. So, so do you remember in Revenge, there was some WCW character who was like the executioner? Mm-hmm. So we thought, because the, the polygon like graphic quality was really bad. So he was wearing an executioner hood, but it looked like it had bunny ears because like it had two points that stuck up too far, like cones. <laughs> so, so my friend made a joke that like oh that's the demon that you see when you take lsd you know we didn't know what lsd was this kid so we called him ls demon bunny of chaos and that was i was always ls demon bunny of chaos i would i renamed him to that because you could do that in the game and that is the origin of of my gamer tag slash uh alias that makes sense ah uh, tripped out tell you what next time we see each other let's play that <laughs> yes you make ls demon bunny of chaos i'll make dead body man yeah, I mean, we can we can do like Horace Lupercal as like <laughs> Triple H, <laughs> Vince McMahon as the Emperor. <laughs> but I, I do like that. Like if it was like a Trazen the Infinite, you know, uh, like gladiatorial combat, you know, you could have like an Astartes wrestling a Tau. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be like the equivalent of like Spike Dudley going against like the Big Show. <laughs> oh man, Spike Dudley. 
Remember him? Yeah, and yeah. then you like like let's see, man, an orc would fit into that really well. Uh, Eldar. Yep. Spike Dudley. That was the first time I was ever like, shit. I actually weigh more than a professional wrestler. I <laughs> I can totally do this. That's awesome. Ah, Spike Dudley, pound for pound. That was just like, all right. We're getting we're getting down wrestling nerddom, which is too far. All right. So that was your that was your number four. So why'd you pick WrestleMania 2000 and not either of the other two? Uh, just because that was the one we played the most. Okay. But we so, played them all, but that one stuck in my head. So, so we played Revenge a ton, and then I got WrestleMania 2000 and No Mercy at the same time because there was a blockbuster closing down. Remember that? <laughs> Sell all their stuff for like a dollar. Yeah. So I got that, and I, I remember WrestleMania 2000 was kind of fun, but the, the creative character was a little bit better on No Mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I liked it. Okay. Uh, oh, so that was your Hello, number. Master. <laughs> Pillow I just master? I, Pillow master. I just remembered my friend Marvin. <laughs> so <laughs> he was a big, like, fat as you could make a character. Uh, and he just, <laughs> and he wore all white, and he had a blue afro and the blue meanie's face. And his name was Pillow Master. Listen, <laughs> listeners, if you're out there and you have not played these games. Go, go if go buy them, go emulate them. I'm not advocating the pirate things, but try to find a copy you can play. Actually, Def Jam Fight for New York and Def Jam Vendetta both use the same system. Uh, yeah, those, those are so good. Um, I really enjoyed those too. So, so yeah. you, if you want something a little more current, you could play those, and then you can throw a flavor flavor in front of a subway train. <laughs> I was thinking Danny Trejo, but yeah. <laughs> Trejo? Yeah, Trejo's in that game. So it was like Omar App. It's it's there's a lot of bizarre character choices. Yeah, yeah. a Remember lot of fun. Ice was impossible to beat. <laughs> for me, it was a big pun. I couldn't get past him for a while. All right, so that's your number four. My number four. Uh, I'm gonna go with Resident Evil Four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so, truth be told, my favorite Resident Evil game of all time is Resident Evil Two. Because of where I was when I played it. Like, that was, again, like a 6th, 7th grade. That was, like, a kind of rough couple years. I remember playing this game, and I just would turn off all the lights. My brother and I would play, and I was just enraptured. Like, it was a different kind of experience, uh, and I loved it. I had so much fun. I played that game every single way. I unlocked everything. Do you remember in that game, if you beat it, like, within under three hours or something, you could play (laughs) as a block of tofu? (laughs) Yeah, tofu. So I did that. I played as I don't think I beat the tofu, but I I almost did. Mm-hmm. So, so that's how good, like much I love that game. And that, but the problem is it didn't age well. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, as much as my nostalgia weighs heavy, I try to replay it, and the the tank controls, ugh, it's rough. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Resi- go ahead. It's funny how uh, it's so it seems so easy. Like the controls when you're at, like back in the day as, as a kid playing it, you you know, have no problem with it. But going back. It's just like impossible. Uh, I had Goldeneye 007. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, as a an honorable mention. Um, but trying to play that game after you know, after even after the dual thumbsticks were invented. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible. Try, trying to play a first person shooter with one thumbstick. It was like that, how that how? Is- for dark like i tried going back and playing them and it's very hard to to adjust yeah uh, i don't I mean, even remember yeah, how you're right like I, I think it's just like our brains got programmed because we played it so much yeah. but um so so i said look resident evil 4 it's a, it's a close second in the series i played it a ton i didn't like it as much as 2 because 2 was was a little more uh i don't know like ominous and, and 4 was a little more like you had more agency and you felt stronger so it wasn't scary Mm. Um, although there were certainly some cool moments, but but I think for I mean it invented a whole genre of like the third person over the shoulder action game. Mm-hmm. Um, the quick time button mash were great. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed that game. And I played it every possible way <laughs> and all the bonus rounds. And I think it would be a really good 40k game. Okay. You know, like like you could inventory management was a big part of it. Uh, collecting and, and saving resources. You know, you could be exploring like a space Hulk, or you could be exploring like, you know, take your pick. Any of those like worlds or strongholds would be great. Right. And you know, like 
the other piece was like the weapon upgrade like over time you get the shotgun and then the shotgun is kind of your go-to and then you get like the magnum dude we went through a top 10 40k weapons that'd be perfect yeah and the obvious uh, zombies nerglings you know or or pox walkers yeah um Baltus, tau and you know yeah cut and paste any of your uh, any of your enemies of the imperium no, I mean, they did do... Did you ever play the Space Marine game that came out in, like, 2012? I don't think so. It kind of sucked. I, I downloaded it on Steam kind of recently, so it had great voice acting and a good setting and graphics, but it was just really repetitive and boring, and you didn't really care. Like, it got so boring, because you're just shooting people with bolters, and the bolter's just as good as the melt-a-gun, pretty much. And Was that the first person? No, it was like a third person. It was kind of like Gears of War. I think it was that was more like a Gears oh, of War okay. than it was before, but just it uh, just didn't do it for me. I'm thinking of Death Watch. I played that one. I didn't play that one. Is that any good? Uh, you know, grid-based combat, kind of like uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. Also a good game. Yeah, except you're shooting a Tyranids. But I think like you know, you do a Resident Evil one. Obviously, it's it's going to be. Yeah, you could do a lot of different ways. It could be an Imperial. Uh, you could have, you know, Stardes or a guard. It'd be cool. Like, maybe there's, like, an Eldari who shows up and is, like, kind of a side character. And then kind of like they did in the game where you could play as Ada, who is, like, the, the secondary protagonist, the deuteragonist, I think they call it. You know, she had, like, a separate campaign. So you could have a couple different campaigns. Yeah, I'd bring it up. Come on, Games Workshop. <laughs> Get on it. All right, what's your number three, Tom? Um... Number three, I'm going to go with Bioshock. Good game. Yeah, it was. I spent a lot of time playing that game. And, and I think it would translate fairly easily. You know, a, a compliant planet, you know, uh, falls to chaos. And, you know, the, <clears throat> the uh, president or regent or whoever they have in charge, you know, you have to kind of hunt him down make a psychological thriller out of it yeah i so so let's see bioshock do you remember that first scene where you kind of get in the bathosphere and you hear andrew ryan speaking as you go underwater <laughs> mm-hmm. i still get goosebumps when i see that <laughs> you know no Definitely. says the man in washington it belongs to the poor no says the man in moscow it belongs to everyone no, says the man in Rome. It belongs to the god. Take <laughs> um, it. What, what would be the plasmid equivalent? Hmm, second, that second is a good powers, question. I guess. Yeah. Is that something you can acquire and upgrade? <laughs> Maybe you find like, or you know what it could be. Maybe you're like a tech priest and you find like, uh, you know, like. <laughs> Oh, I found a data slate that shows me how I can build a flamethrower for my hand. Mm. Yeah, because there oh. were weapon upgrades as well. Or That's was true. That, or was that infinite? You, yeah, you could upgrade your weapons. There were. Yeah, it was like the, the free the people, you know, like underground would leave you stuff. Right, right. Um, good game. Okay, so an FPS that's got some kind of RPG elements and has a a real focus on the setting. I agree with you. Like that's huge. You got to focus on the setting. Mm-hmm. All right, my number three. This is one you you might have on your list. You ready? Mm-hmm. Diablo two. Ooh, good choice. Uh, so Tom, obviously you're you're a player of Diablo two, right? A lot of time spent. I totally forgot that existed, to be honest. But uh, yeah, mo- most of my uh, high school days wasted in front of the computer. Hundreds of hours, right? Yeah, yeah. Hundreds of hours. Mm-hmm. So with every why... class imaginable. Oh yeah, God! I, all the classes <laughs> were fun too. The Amazon was fun. The Necromancer was fun. The Barbarian was fun. Paladin kind of sucked. I don't really like the Paladin. <laughs> Druid was fun. Mm-hmm. What um why now here's I I have a reason why Diablo two why is it better than Diablo three? Um, I guess the controls. Uh, Diablo three, they kind of well, right that was you had the different powers mapped to the different buttons. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, right? It, and it was like you kind of had like one or two powers that were your primary ones in Diablo 3. Like maybe like, there was a, a handful, but like Diablo 2, you had a lot more options and there were like in, in some cases in a bad way. Like it was a little overwhelming <laughs> and, you know, it was hard to kind of max min. But um, I think that was part of it for sure. Um, for me personally, I actually it took me a while to figure out like why Diablo 2 over 3 because I liked the classes in 3 okay. I thought it was fun because I got it for like Xbox and I played it with a controller uh, or 360, I guess, was at that time. For me, there's two things. One, the story was just, boy, I have to censor myself here. It was freaking <laughs> stupid. Diablo 3. It was just dumb. Just, you know, like there's, there's a whole thing to be said. Like Diablo 2 gives you like little snippets and you kind of have to figure things out for yourself. Diablo 3 was like, Somebody from Disney came over and was like, okay, well, we have to make them, like, special. They're the chosen one. And then, well, we want them to be referred. Like, there's going to be more talking. And, uh, you know, that's oh, you, they're going to meet all of the people in the last one that were kind of hinted at. Like, in Diablo 2, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, you hear about Mephiston and you hear about Bale. But, like, you don't meet all of these, like, like people until the very end. So the stakes are high. And like Diablo three, like you're just constantly like wailing on these like oh this demon's even more powerful and you just like so so your feeling of insignificance is lessened, which I think was a big part of Diablo two. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say it was the color palette change too. I think maybe that's yeah. part of it, but I think yeah. just in general the attitude toward the world and the enemies, it was just less grim dark, less Lovecraftian, and more like you know stereotypical supernatural TV garbage. Power creep. Power creep. That was a rant. I apologize. Tom, did anything <laughs> in there make sense? Yeah, no, I, I get it. You know, it's not the kind of thing you think about, like, hey, how come this game was better than this game? But but yeah, I think you're right. So so with uh, Diablo three, how do or Diablo two, how do we make it in the Warhammer forty K universe? So I've been playing Inquisitor Martyr. And it's close. Like it's it is a loot grinding, you know, action RPG. Mm-hmm. It's it's okay. What do they need to do to make it? It's fine. If, if you're if you're a 40k fan, it's it's definitely worth checking out. If you're not, it's not really. Mm-hmm. And it, the reason I say it's worth it, they do an awesome job with the setting. There's good voice acting. The story's pretty good. And you're on a you know you're on a rogue trader as an inquisitor, and it actually shows you like traveling to different systems, and you feel. Like you're part of the universe. The actual game mechanics are repetitive and boring. <laughs> the the progression has no stakes and doesn't feel particularly that interesting. I'm, I'm playing right now as the Psyker class, the Inquisitor. It's okay. Um, and the, the difficulty is all over the place. Uh, it's just there's a lot of things that they're trying to do that they just didn't quite get over the bar. Oh. So in a Diablo, like a Diablo 2 version, I'd want more diversity of people. I'd want a skill tree progression that actually matters, more variety, and uh, just maybe a little bit more world building to, mm-hmm. to make it better than Inquisitor Martyr. Fair enough. All right, rant over. Tom, you're number <laughs> two. What do you got? Number two. Uh, the most recent uh, game on my list that I have invested God knows how many hours. Uh, Dark Souls. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Which which one? Uh, the, fir- the, the first one specifically. All right, so I'm going to reveal my number two because it's in the same category. It's Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I you, had a feeling that would be on your list. Yeah, yeah, I love that guy. All right, so Tom, why, why Dark Souls? Uh, so Dark Souls, uh, it's already grimdark, right? You've got the, the aesthetic there. Uh, and it could very easily be taking place inside the Eye of Terror, you know, on a, on a demon world. Uh, you know, just swap out the mindless zombies with blood letters, and uh, you know, you get you got yourself a, a hack and slash good time, <laughs> difficult as all hell <laughs> game, but so much fun. I, I 100% agree. Uh, you know, the, the things that I love about these games, uh, the sense of accomplishment yeah. when you actually finish something, and then the, the feeling of successful character progression. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as you slowly build up your person, and you find new weapons, and, and you kind of get them to a place where you feel pretty confident. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think I chose Bloodborne over Dark Souls. I think for some similar reasons, I just like the setting a little bit better. It was a little more Lovecraftian. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. It could be an easy swap to any 40K you know, environment. It could be an Eye of Terror world. It could be a world in Uprising. It could be Chaos Infected, uh, an Orc Invasion even. Mm-hmm. Um, the lot you could do, you could be a lot of different characters, give some yeah. options for classes, you know, inquisitors, uh, you know, what have you, you could, you know, I'm sure like the, your, you know, stereotypical good races, like your Eldar would fit in pretty easy. Uh, like who else? I'm, I, I'm always conscious. Like I don't want to be a Sioux Imperial focus because people get salty about that. <laughs> so the only bad thing about those games is that you can't play through it for the first time ever again. You know what I mean? Like, the first time you play it, and it just blows your mind, and then after that, you're just like, oh, okay, I, you know, I figured out how this boss fight works. I, I know I, don't ha- I know what I have to do here. And it's, it's still fun, you know, but that first time, you know, it really has that impact on you. That, like, discovery feeling? Yeah. Like, I've never been more happy when I, like, open a door. <laughs> like, oh, it's a fog gate. Yeah. A new section sh- of map. <laughs> it's a short, or that, or a shortcut. A oh, shortcut. Right, right. I won't have to die anymore. <laughs> There's a bonfire not too far from here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I love those games. Yeah, awesome. Please please make a Souls-like in the 40K universe. That doesn't mm-hmm. suck. Mm-hmm. All right. Here we are. That was easy. Like, we just agreed on that. There was nothing else we had to discuss. <laughs> All right, next. What's, what's your number one, Tom? Number one, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I didn't um, think you liked that game that much. Yeah, so that was, that was the first game that I uh, sat down and played with my brother. And we would just, like, take turns and, you know, try to get through... I guess it was story mode, you know, getting, progressing through the game, uh, trying to get high scores and whatnot. But yeah, we, we spend a lot of time playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Uh, and I see that as a hive world ganger just shredding around a hive world, causing chaos. That's cool. <laughs> It would be it'd be a little bit more tongue in cheek, like oh you 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 heretic, oh, I'm gonna get you stop spray paint stuff. But yeah, it'd be fun. Just be like an Asher, just grinding on everything. Or or it could be like you could be a Drukari in like Kamarag. Yeah, true. That'd be fun. Um, I would definitely play that. <laughs> Have you have you played any of the newer like what was the last Tony Hawk game that you played and you were like oh this is really good? Uh, I probably only made it to like three. Well, I think I feel like at, like two I think is I don't know if two or three people say is the best, but after that like they just dropped off. It got really crappy. Yeah. There was, I think the last one I played was the one that had a a demon as a hidden character. Yeah. Uh, so I forgot who it was, but they their special move was the Christ Air, where they just kind of like, you know, T-pose like they're crucified, and, and uh, you get points for as long as you could hold it. Uh, and then the demon, her special move was the uh, Antichrist Air, and she did it upside down. <laughs> oh, was it the Demon S? This was Tony, Tony Hawk 3. Yeah, so that was the last one I played, yeah. Wow. Uh... Yeah, apparently it was called the AC Air because it was censored. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's fun. All right. Who? So if it's Tony Hawk, like who would be the celebrity in the 40K universe they'd name it after? Huh. That's a good question. Like Sly Marbo? <laughs> Pro Skater. <laughs> Creed Pro Skater. <laughs> Maybe like Cal Jericho. Hmm. Chris Jericho. <laughs> but we're going to get off topic here. But have you seen like that Chris Jericho is getting a huge backlash because he came back and apparently he's chubby? <laughs> no, I didn't see that. I mean, I, yeah, so there was a whole Twitter or I don't know, whatever, some kind of social media 
backlash uh, mm-hmm. because he came out and he just is not in shape or something. Yeah. Um, he's 50, by the way. Wow. Uh, Edge is 47. I don't know why that came up, but it, it's true. Chris Jericho has a, a radio thing on uh, satellite radio. I think it's like either Turbo or, or the, the Metal Channel. He plays a bunch of songs that he likes. Well, he was in um he was in a metal band, Fozzy, right? Yeah, and it sounds exactly like you would picture Chris Jericho singing <laughs> <laughs> to a metal band. Sounds right. exactly like you would picture. Chris Jericho, if you're out there, come on the show, man. We're we're fans. Mm-hmm. You can you can tell everybody to stop body shaming you, and uh, we'll give you a platform to scream at haters. Break the walls down. Break the walls down. Dude, when I was a kid, my brother did the walls of Jericho on me once. And man, it hurt. Because he wasn't doing it right. It was like all on my neck. And I was like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'll admit we uh, we uh, did some backyard wrestling in high school. I mean, I definitely did. Um, except have like... Tag team you, actually, you and I were talking like like ten or fifteen years ago. You and I were like, well, it must have been ten. We're like, hey, we should try to be wrestlers, <laughs> which was probably a really stupid idea. Let me just gain fifty five pounds of muscle. And... <laughs> that was that was the deal, right? Because I was in better shape back then. I was like, okay, Tom, you gain fifty pounds of muscle, and I'll do it. <laughs> How'd that go? It it didn't. But... <laughs> But, you know, I could be a, a high-flying, you know, speedy guy. The Jeff Hardys and the... Spike Dudleys. Spike Dudleys. <laughs> All right, you ready for my number one? Yeah. Chrono Trigger. Perfect. Love this game. I've played it four or five times on, like, three different platforms. I played the PlayStation version and the Super Nintendo version from Blockbuster. Could never buy one. Uh, I played the Game Boy. Was there a Game Boy version? I don't know. I played an emulator. I also just bought it on Steam, and actually, Gabrielle and I are going through it. She loves it. Mm-hmm. So I guess Final Fantasy VII didn't age well. Chrono Trigger aged even better. <laughs> it's it's really sharp. The storyline is really focused. The characters are, are really timeless, and you know, it, it kind of has like the fun of Final Fantasy with the magic of like a Studio Ghibli movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the music's incredible. So we we talked about like what would an RPG look like in in the 40k universe. So we talked about Fantasy Seven. I, I think Chrono Trigger's like the time travel probably wouldn't work, mm-hmm. but just like you know a old fashioned RPG of the 40k universe with maybe some of the new sensibilities around like leveling and game progression, mm-hmm. but you know some kind of character based. Uh, RPG, you know, like like the Final Fantasy VII remake is probably a good prototype. Uh, so I was thinking, like, what would a JRPG <laughs> centered on 40k even look like? Yeah, turn-based, you know, ATB gauge, you know, <laughs> all that fun stuff. But I mean, like, you know, Final Fantasy VIII was was kind of in a, you know, semi-futuristic. Yeah, it was an awful game. No, eight, eight was it. garbage. It's, so. It sucks. Yeah, I mean, I liked I liked. The gun sword, but the rest of it was just hot, fetid garbage. And I want to address that uh, I've had this discussion about how uh, garbage 8 was, uh, and somebody was saying, you know, oh, it's just, uh, was it, you were directly comparing it to 7. So, maybe a couple of years ago, I just said, I'm going to play Final Fantasy 8 with a totally open mind, no preconceived notions. Uh, and it was still just a pile of hot garbage. I couldn't even For me, get it was it was a story. Like I, I never beat it. Yeah. I got to the third disc, and there's a point where our spoilers for a game that's like 20 years old. <laughs> but there's a point where uh, all of the main characters realize that they all grew up in the same orphanage. <laughs> Three discs into the game, they realize this because they had amnesia, and the main villain was their uh, orphanage operator or, or matron or something. And I, I, I literally, I was like a, a 13-year-old kid. I opened the, the PlayStation. I took the disc out. I never played it again because I was like, they, you know uh, she, what, you. She does end up joining your party uh, as a playable character. 
Yeah, okay, so let's compare. Would you rather have, what was her name again? Like Medea? <laughs> I was like Medea. No, I don't think that's the name of the witch. Close. Idea. Idea, okay. Sorry, sorry, Tyler Perry. Not not your character. <laughs> Would you rather have her or Magus? Yeah, good point. Like, like Magus is amazing. He does Dark Matter, which is still my favorite spell in any Final Fantasy game. That was, that was a heel turn or a face turn that I did not expect. Idea, <laughs> whatever, dude. I don't care. <laughs> so Warhammer 40k, uh, an RPG, get me a, a cast of characters. You could do a hive. You could do a craft world. You could do just not Tau. Please just not Tau. <laughs> um, you know, make it happen, guys. That would be super fun. I would, And you could explore and, and kind of get to know the setting. I think that'd be great. Mm-hmm. All right. We covered everything, Tom. Yeah. Is there anything we didn't cover? Uh, I did have some honorable mentions. All right, so what do you uh, got? What do you got? The honorable mention category. Uh, I think uh, I already brought up Goldeneye, um, but uh, I also played a lot of Halo back Halo. in the day. Uh, but that seemed a little on the nose. You know, you're already a space marine killing Xenos. Um, and Mass Effect, I played uh, the trilogy. I played uh, through. Uh. That's a great I that's cuz that'd be a great inquisitor game. Yeah, I played through those quite a bit the, that trilogy. You know, I I played a ton of Mass Effect. I played all three of them and it's weird. I don't I like I loved it while I was playing it, but I've never wanted to play it again. <laughs> so that was the first time. So I played the original Mass Effect like when it was new, right? Uh played it through, you know, you make all these choices that affect the story. Um and then when the second one came out, the choices you made in the first one carried over, uh, and I didn't like how that came out, so I was like, shit, all right, now I have to play the first one again. <laughs> it made different choices, played through the second one, and then the, the exact fucking same thing happened with the third one uh, until I finally got uh, the outcome that I wanted. Good game, though. Like, it, it definitely a great game, masterful storytelling. Uh, it would be a great vehicle for, for 40K Universe. The Reapers, you know, they can be, like, Old ones, well, the old ones are dead, but Tyranids, even even Necrons, Necrons yeah, yeah, Eldar, yep. Um, that's a great call. Any other uh, honorable mentions? Uh, no, I think that's that's so, all I have. So I had like Final Fantasy VI, I love uh, Final Fantasy VII are, are all in my like top ten, but you know, once one RPG, all RPGs, whatever. <laughs> I really liked Soul Calibur, so like a, another fighting game could be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, what about like here's an idea, right? Uh, what about like a Mario Kart, but it's like Gorka Morka drag racing. <laughs> I feel like there was a tabletop version. Yeah. Uh, orc racing, and like you actually moved the terrain uh, to simulate going fast, right? Was that a thing? Yeah. Uh... Oh, I think that's right. I've never played it. I know, I know of it, but I think that could be fun, you know. Or, or if you want to do something cool, you could have like an open world, like take over Gorka Morka kind of thing. Um, if you want to make it fun, it could be like as Vec gets bored, or Trazen gets bored, or they team up and get bored, and then they get like all the best racers from all the ra- the races. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Eldar, the Tyranids, all that stuff. And they make them race. That'd be super fun. I'd play the, sh- the heck out of that. Mario Kart. I'd, yeah, Mario Kart, Warhammer Kart. <laughs> um, do we miss literally, anything else? Literally any game, if you can play as an orc in the middle of a WoW. <laughs> I don't even care the format. If you can be <laughs> an orc, I think that would be, that'd be pretty cool. Amen. Definitely, we don't need any more like Final Fantasy Tactics clones. Like, you know, Mordheim was like that, Necromunda mm. Underheim. They're hard to get right, and even when they get right, they're kind of, yeah, over time. Okay. So I think we covered it. That was That's a lot of video game types that could be included. So why hasn't this happened yet? <sighs> we'll see. I mean, look, there's been some good war, like, you know, Total War and Total War 2, Warhammer are good. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Dawn of War was good, the first and the second one. The third one was kind of meh. Uh, there's been a lot of just garbage, too, like Space Hulk, uh, Fire Warrior, uh, <laughs> uh, 
Oh, you know the the Dark Omen was okay. That was like mm. a Warhammer Fantasy from back in the day. All right. Anyway, get on it, guys. Make those games. Tom and I will cover them. <laughs> Otherwise, we've been talking long enough. I think that's the end of this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Long enough for a podcast. Uh, so, so you'll you will post this. Uh, we we're gonna post weekly on Wednesdays. So if you have thoughts, uh, let us know them. Definitely reach out to us with any comments or thoughts. Otherwise, what Tom would you always say? Mash the like and subscribe button. <laughs> Mash it. Let us know what you want us to cover. Like obviously we're we're really deep nerds. You know, a lot of the podcasts uh, and shows that are out there, they try to cover like the hobby part of it, but we like the culture and the lore part too. So if there's something you're itching to, you know, hear two jerk faces uh, go over. Or at least one jerk face and one reasonably well mannered dude and Tom. Reasonably uh, well mannered jerk face. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks for joining us for 40 Cray. We'll see you next time. Adios. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>